don't know if I've ever quite had an intro like that before. That's awesome. Thank you, Felix. Jedi Knight, man. I'm glad someone sees it. Thank you. Um, man, I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm so happy to be with you guys here at uh, Impact City. Uh, we've just been so blessed to have you. Um, a little bit about me. It says youth minister. I'm actually the youth minister here at Lexington Baptist Church. We typically meet like directly above where we are right now. So this room feels like home. This is uh, like the same layout we have. Um, but we're so happy to have you guys here with us. Um, it's just been amazing getting to know Felix and some of you that I've, I've met here and there through some of the events we've had. Um, several of you guys have been here for uh, a lot of the stuff we've done at like our More Than a Backpack and uh, our, our uh, fall festival. We're so grateful to have you guys um, as willing servants and helpers for all these things. It's just been great um, getting to know some of y'all. Um, I actually met Felix last year at Verge Conference, which is what he was talking about earlier. Um, we got to meet Felix and Sarah, um, which is the first time we've gone there. But it was really great getting to hear about his ideas and his passion for, for preaching and for, uh, for being a pastor and for, uh, for you guys in particular, and just what his vision is. It's just been really great getting to see that. And we're excited to see what comes of Impact City and to be, you know, whatever part of that we can. Um, and I speak, I think, for everyone here at Lexington that we say we are excited and encouraged by what we see from you guys. Um, I hope you guys know that, that we do love you guys from the bottom of our hearts, and we want to see you guys um, do well in, uh, in your ministry. And that is truly, deeply from the bottom of our hearts. We're really happy to see what's going on with you guys. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I am married. My wife, Sam, is here. We got married about a year and a half ago. And um, through all this, I've kind of learned a lot about love. Uh, what love is, what love looks like, um, what love is not. Um, and we're going to be talking about some of that this morning. Um, and kind of the importance of love and why it's central to who we are as followers of Christ. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I'm just going to take it, say another word of prayer as we get started, just to, to ask God to give me the words to say. <coughs> Father God, I come before you this morning, just humbled by this opportunity to share your word. I pray that the words that come from me will not be mine, but yours. The hearts and minds will be open to hear your message and not mine. I pray that you, uh, that you move strongly through us this morning and just help all of our hearts to be changed by what we're hearing today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm kind of just going to share with you guys kind of my journey um, and where I've, where I've come from where I've been, and um, kind of where I'm at now. So as a kid, I grew up uh, the son of a pastor. I grew up in church. I, t I joke with people that I was going to church since nine months before I was born. Um, I've, I've always gone to church um, until a little later when I got into college, and I'll share about that in a minute. Um, but I grew up hearing the Word of God. I grew up hearing the Gospel. I grew up hearing all these messages, and I'm sure at some point, I heard this more than once, the message I'm going to talk to you guys about today, but it took me a long time to get it, and that's really why I'm sharing it with you guys, is because this is something that I struggle with. This is not something that I, I claim to be an expert on in any means, other than the fact that this is something that I've had trouble with. It's taken me a long time to learn and figure out, um, and I just want to share that with people so that if you were struggling with the same thing, maybe your burden can be eased a bit. Uh, maybe you can uh, get through a little bit easier. Um, so we're going to be talking about love. And as I grew up, I heard so much about love, about what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be a follower of Christ, and I missed it so many times. I understood, you know, like, my, my understanding of 
of what it meant to be a Christian was you come down, you say these words, and then once saved, always saved. You're a Christian forever, right? Like you said, the little prayer at the end, and that's who you were. You're a Christian. It's good to go. But I miss so much of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to, to love God with all your heart, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So much of it just went right over my head. And not because people didn't tell me, but because I just wasn't ready to hear it, I think. Um, but I'm going to try to break this down. I have to pull things apart a little bit to understand them. Um, one thing that wasn't on that list is that I'm also a geek. I fix computers for a living. Um, I re- work for Geek Squad here in town. So my nature is to, when I don't understand something or I can't tell what's going wrong with it, I pull it apart, dissect it, see where the problem is, and I tweak it until I figure out what's going on. This is how my mind works, so this is how we're going to attack the idea of love today, um, which may be not the most, you know, common way to attack a problem like an issue like this, but that's how we're going to do it today. Um, so, growing up, my understanding of love was almost non-existent. I just, I didn't get what it really meant to love God or to love our neighbors. Um, and when I got to college, I, I didn't understand why I was going to church, what I was doing. Um, and so when I got to college, I just walked away. Didn't look back. Um, just went my merry way and fell further and further and further into just this, this self-concerned, self-involved idea of what my life was supposed to look like. And it was dark. It was painful. It was lonely a lot of times. Um, but there were always people who were around encouraging me. But it took me about six or seven years um, after going to college and struggling to make ends meet here and there to finally be in a place where I had no other option but to be around fellow believers again, to be around Christians. Uh, I started going to the BSM after I moved in with my brothers, uh, one of whom is here this morning. Um, And they had been going to the BSM. They moved here a year before I started going back, so about six years after I graduated from high school, still in college. And through some events, I ended up moving in with them and was one of their roommates. So by default, I was around other believers all the time. Uh, their friends all were very involved in the BSM. So I kind of more or less got dragged to go to worship services at Focus and that kind of thing, um, almost kicking and screaming sometimes to go back to church. And when I was there, I started hearing and seeing all this about love and what love is and how our our relationship with God is not about these words that we say, but it's about a true and honest personal relationship. It's about being personally invested and personally involved as much as I am with my brothers, my family, my friends. Um, And I started hearing all this, and some things started turning in my head, and I started to see things in a different way. And one of them I saw was love. So I had this idea of what love is, and now I'm going to tell you all at the beginning— So you kind of have this idea in your head as we're going through, and you can kind of see it. But what I've come to see a definition of love as being now is where a selfless attitude and action meet. It's where a selfish attitude—I'm sorry, selfless attitude and action come together and form one thing. It's not about just the attitude. It's not about just the action doing, but it's about both working together is what makes up love. This is kind of where I'm at now, what I've, what I've begun to understand, but I didn't always get that. When I first got back to, uh, to going to BSM and stuff, I started hearing about love, and this, this song that I heard when I was a kid over and over and over started coming to mind. It's a song by DC Talk. I'm sure a lot of people have probably heard of DC Talk. They're not around as they are anymore, 
but like I had like every one of their albums growing up. We had like three tapes. One was Stephen Chris Chapman, one was Michael W. Smith, and DC Talk when I was a kid. And so like I heard these over and over and over and over. Um, but it's a song called Love is a Verb. Um, and that, I missed it when I was a kid, didn't understand what it meant. It was a fun song, love is a verb, love is a verb, huh? But I didn't get it. So when I got to college, I started thinking love is a verb. I understood more about what that meant. Love is a doing word. It's something you do. It's something, it's an action. It's not just a feeling. Um, you know, when I was younger, I thought, you know, love is that, you know, tingly feeling you get when you, you know, start to like somebody, you know. But it's more than that. Love is a verb. It's an action. It's something you do. And that's kind of what started kicking in my head, that love is a verb, love is a verb. And there was a particular passage that started to, to really bring this to mind. Um, Matthew 22, verse 35. Um, y'all don't have to turn there if you want to. I'm just going to read it for you real quick. I'm sure everyone has probably heard this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, where did that mark it? I marked the wrong one. Okay. Uh, Matthew 22, 35. Now, at this point, Jesus has just, the Sadducees have come, and Jesus kind of shut them down. They're trying to catch him in the wrong. Um, Jesus kind of, you know, just laid truth on them, and they walked away with their tails between their legs. And the Pharisees, hearing that, were just like, man, we got to think of some of the good question to bring to Jesus. We're going to try to catch him. We're going to try to catch him in heresy. Um, and this is the question that they asked, and I love this, because it's such a great question. But it says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is the Pharisees asking Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I started reading that and thinking of this, this uh, song I had to listen to, Love is a Verb. What he's saying there is love. He's not saying have a feeling with all your heart, soul, and mind. He's saying do love. He's using it like a verb, as a doing word. A verb is an action word. It's something like to hit or to jump or to run. It's something that you do. It's a physical action. It's something that you put into motion. Um, so he's using love as a verb. And I was thinking to myself, I never thought of love that way. I always thought of it as just something internal, just something that you, you get this feeling and you can't ask for it, you can't control it. But love is something that you do. Um, love is an action. And that's kind of the first half of this. Love, it is a verb. It is something you do, but that's incomplete. Um, so I've started this past semester, um, we started a newly and nearly married couples class here at our church. And we've gone through this book called uh, The Five Love Languages. And it's helped me learn so much about the fact that to love someone is a daily choice. It's a daily mindset you put yourself in, and you have to be understanding of what they need as much as what you're doing. Um, but it's all about putting your love into action, doing things that speak to your significant other, doing things that speak to other people. Um, so it is about doing. It's about being involved. It's about action. It's about not just sitting and saying, oh, I love you, but having nothing to back it up, no action to show that you really do. Love is a verb, but it's incomplete. That's not the whole, that's not the whole thing. Um, because you can say, you can, you can do all these things. You can, you know, you can program, I'm sorry, you can, you can serve the poor for selfish needs. You can do all kinds of things for your own desires or for not love at all. You know, you can, 
you can do without having love. You can program a robot to hand out food in a serving line, but it has no love. It's, you know, it, it has no heart, it has no soul. It's just handing out food. The same can be said of us. We can do things without love, so there has to be more to it than just action. It's not just the things that you do. Great things can be not loving still. Um, so it's incomplete, and I started thinking more as I, as I went down this path of thinking, well, love is a verb, love is a verb. Well, it is, but it's more. It, that's not all there is to it. So I started wondering, what is more to it? Where, how is it more? And I, and I found another passage that kind of talks about this. This is going to be kind of our main text for this morning. Uh, if you wouldn't mind turning to, uh, where are we? We're in 1 Corinthians 13. I think the words will be up here on the screen also in a few minutes um, to kind of go through this. Um, back to thinking all this, love is a verb, love is an action, love is what you do. But there has to be more because this is incomplete. There, this is not the whole picture. And this is what I found. And this kind of blew me away when I read it, and I want you guys to hear it. A lot of this passage I'm about to read is very popular, even in the secular world. You hear this a lot at weddings. You'll hear this even in movies being quoted. Um, part of this is quoted in Moulin Rouge, which I guarantee you has nothing to do with like religion or God. But it's, it's a popular, people quote this all the time because it rings so true. Um, it, it has so much truth in it, you can't deny it. But it's taken out of context a lot, and I want us to hear this um, with the mindset that we are to love God with all our hearts, all our soul, and all our mind. We are to do these things with our hearts, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But here, it, it kind of turns us on its head a little bit. I want you guys to hear this, starting in uh, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal, just making noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move a mountain, don't we all want that faith that can move a mountain, right? But I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what this is saying is all those verbs, all those doing things we can do, if we lack love, we are nothing. We have nothing. We are nothing. But we just, we just said love is a verb, right? Love is doing. Love is doing things. Well, it's incomplete. It's more. If you notice here, when it talks about love, it says if I have love, it's talking about love as a noun, as a thing. As, as an attitude, as something you can have. You can't have a verb. You can't have run. You can't have hit. You can't have jump. It's not a verb there. It's a noun, so it's, it's more. It's a, it's a concept so big and so integral to who we are that w one thing cannot contain it. It is more than just a verb. It is more than just a noun. It is all of this together. Um, I just love this. It's talking about, you know, no matter what we do, if we lack this attitude, that selfless attitude that God is more important than who we are. Our neighbors are important. They're more important than who we are. The people around us are more important than our happiness, our fulfilling of our desires. If we lack this in the things that we do, we are nothing. We have nothing. And I got to tell you, this is a struggle for me because I am self-centered. I am self-involved. I love me. And that is a daily struggle for me to give up what I want to do, what I am, what I think I need in my life, 
Um, this is, this is game-changing stuff. If I don't have that selfless attitude, that compassion for people, I've missed the point. Love is so important to who we are as Christians, we can't leave it out of what we're doing, all the actions. You guys could have 50 million people here and do all these great things, but if you're not loving, if you're not having compassion on yourselves and on people around you, it's nothing. It's worthless. I would rather have two people here with love than have a place the size of Bay Area Fellowship and have nothing, have no love. Um, this is so integral. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I want to keep going here. There's a little bit more to this. This is the part that everyone knows, starting in verse 4. Uh, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, verse 4. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. And this is, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to say. This is where I dissect things. I talked earlier about it. I'm kind of a nerd. I'm a geek. I pull things apart. I dissect them. So we've talked about how important love is. This is where we're going to talk about what love is, what makes up this thing that's so integral, so important to our faith, to our, our walk, to our relationship with God, and to the relationship with people with others. This is the template. This is what we're meant to have. This is where we pull apart and see all the things that make it run, make it work. So here we go. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. That's me to a T. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So these are the things that build up love. These are what make this thing that's so important tick. Let's kind of talk about these for a second. We talk about love is the most important thing. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. So you can kind of replace love with these other things it's describing here. If love is patient, we are to be patient with God. We are to be patient with our neighbors. You ever had a time where, you know, you're waiting in a really long line, you know, and you're just about to lose your mind because uh, that person in the front of the line is like looking for that coupon at the bottom of their purse. But we are to be patient. We are to love our neighbors. We are to, to be understanding and be compassionate of who they are. We are to be patient with God. When, when we're wondering, you know, when is, this, when is this life event I've been waiting so long for going to happen? When are you finally going to tell me what it is I'm supposed to do with my life? We are to be patient with God. We are to love God, and love is patient. Love is kind. I don't know about you guys, but when I start to get self-involved and self-centered, it becomes very hard to be kind sometimes. Um, you'll fly off the handle. You'll just ignore people. You'll not want to do things for them because you're wrapped up in what you need to do for yourself. But love is kind. Love is that generous word to somebody who's having a bad day or even to that person that you may not particularly like very much. Love is kindness. It does not envy. Love is not concerned with how great someone else has it. When you love your neighbor, you're not concerning yourself with how great they are versus maybe how much you think you're suffering. Love does not see something over there and say, I've got to do everything I can to get that. Love is not envious. Love does not boast. 
We talked about self-centeredness and love being a selflessness, right? But love does not boast. Love doesn't go around telling everybody how great the things I've done are. Love does not say, I am great, I am awesome. Love is selfless. Love says, God is great. God is awesome. Love is not proud. It goes right in there with boasting. It's not overly concerned with being caught up in the things that I've done and all my accomplishments. It's not being concerned with thinking I'm too good for something, I'm above something. There's nothing above us when we have love. When you love your neighbor, you're not too good to go hang out with them when they're having a bad day. You're not too good to help them clean up their front yard when, you know, after a storm. You're not too good to go do things for people. You're not proud with love. You're not too proud to go help God with love. We're to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We are not to be proud and say, God, you can't ask that of me. I've got too much going for you to ask that of me. There's nothing to be proud about in love. Love does not dishonor others. Love doesn't see that person that maybe doesn't have it together who's an easy target. Love isn't dishonoring to God. Love is building up and praising God with all we are. Love is not dishonoring others and God as it would be. It's not self-seeking. And this is the kicker for me so many times. And this kind of sums up so much of it, which is why I used it as part of my, as part of my analogy of being selfless in action. Love is not self-seeking. Love isn't concerned with what I want. Love isn't concerned with taking care of me. Love is concerned with what does God need from me. Uh, I say this a lot. I kind of borrow a phrase from JFK where he says, ask not what you can do, or what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not what God will do for you, but what will you do for God? Ask not what your neighbor will do for you, but what can you do for your neighbor? Love is not self-seeking. It's not self-involved. It's not being overly concerned with with am I going to get this promotion, or if I do this, will I be out of the running to get this prize I've been going after, or if I do this, will I get to hang out with, will I not get to hang out with these people, or go see this movie, or get that raise, or will I not get this bonus I've been trying? Love is putting others above yourself. It's about sacrificing. It's about letting go what's, what you think is important to you, and taking care of God's work, what God's called you to, and to the needs of your brothers and sisters around you. <coughs> Love is not easily angered. I mean, that's one that can kind of hit you hard sometimes, right? Talking about that same line where you're sitting at the back starting to get a little impatient with them. It's, it's funny how quickly impatience builds into anger sometimes, right? You're sitting back there and you just start fuming, you know? I see so much anger this time of year. I work customer service. I see so many people just filled with so much anger. But it's because they're not having compassion on the people around them. They're not understanding where their people are coming from. They're not being selfless and saying, you know what, you can go ahead and line. I've got time. I can wait. Love is not quick to anger. Not, notice it doesn't say it's not ever angry, but it's not quick to anger. There are some times, I think, where anger is, is warranted, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other Sunday. We're not going to go there right now. Um, this is a fun one. I like this a lot. Um, anyone who's ever been in a relationship of any kind, really, whether it's with a significant other, or if it's with, you know, a best friend, or even with your parents. Um, love keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, how many times have you been in an argument and just start bringing stuff up from way in the past, and start bringing these things up that you said you've forgiven, 
but they come running right back whenever you start getting upset and angry. You start becoming involved with how much they've wronged you in the past and you still hold on to these things. But that's not love. Love is letting that stuff go and loving the person for, for who they are with you now. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. I don't know if I can say it any better. Love does not... Love... Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then it has some things that love always is. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and love always perseveres. Love always holds on. Um, it never lets go. And that's amazing how love is such a versatile, versatile concept. Um, it's it's just so core to who we are. And this is kind of what we talked about. It's, it's not just a noun, not just a verb, but it has to be both together. You have to have that selfless attitude in your action, but you can't just have the attitude. You can also just be sitting on the couch seeing, you know, like, oh, I bet that person's had in trouble. I feel so bad for them, but I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to go help them. You can hear about that person in, who you know who's struggling to make ends meet, but say, you know, I feel so bad for them. I know they need some groceries. Uh, I don't really want to give up my money. I don't want to go buy them anything or make them a meal or waste my time. I'm just going to sit here. It takes both. It takes both showing and doing the action and having that compassion. They're so intertwined they can't be separated. Paul goes on to talk about love here a little bit at the end of verse 13, or chapter 13. And... I can't say any better than he can. I'm just going to read it because I think he hits the nail on the head here. But let's kind of read along, starting in verse 8. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. These are all things you could have, great things, but they're temporary. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And this is the kicker right here. If you hear nothing else, <coughs> pay attention to verse 13. And now these, th these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is what makes it all possible. It's what makes it all happen. It's what brings it all together. Um, it, it makes this all possible. If you think about it, there are, there are a few things that I know. There are a few things that I've come to be core tenets of what I, I believe as a follower of Christ. And Keep in mind, these are just core. There is more to this. This can be expanded on fully. But this is kind of how I've broken it down, that these are facts that I know about God. There is a God creator, and there is one. Man rebelled, and we have all been in sin. God came down and experienced the worst punishment for our sins so that we could be reunited with God. He came down in the form of Jesus and experienced everything awful you could think of, all torment, all punishment, all temptation, and he did it all for one reason, that number four, 
Love is that reason. Love is the center of it all. It's why we're here. It's why we're created. It's why Jesus came. It's, why, it's what made it all possible. If, if God had felt compassion but had not acted, had not done the action part, we would still be in sin. Jesus would never have came. He wouldn't have done the action of sending Christ to redeem us, to pay for our sins. If he had just, done, if he had just sent Jesus but not had compassion, Jesus would have had no motive to endure all that, to go through all this for us. He would not have had the compassion to enact love. They're both core tenets and keys to our salvation and to our relationship with Christ. Love is what binds us all, brings it all together, and love itself is two things, action and a selfless attitude. And I think that's key and important also, making it about other people or God and not about you. <coughs> Sorry. My final thought is in Colossians um, chapter 3. If you want to turn there, we're going to start in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. Now, I told you earlier, I, I grew up in the church, and it's like I said, as a child, I acted like a child, I thought like a child, my ways were as a child. I didn't understand, didn't get it. But as I became older and began to understand things, and as I began to see, I started to have new revelations and understanding of who God is. And a lot of this was possible because of the local BSM here. I started getting involved. And the BSM director a few years ago had us all memorize this passage uh, from Colossians 3, um, verses 12 through 17. And I think this is such a great thing to hold on to. Um, and I would give you guys this. Um, it talks so much about who we are as Christians and about love, but also more importantly, it talks about who we are as a body of believers. As you guys being a newly formed um, ministry organization here in Corpus Christi, hold on to this take these words to heart. Make them core to who you are as a church because these are so important in the idea of ministry and, and just in who we are as, as Christ followers. So here we go, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's, that's you guys, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bear with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love brings all these things we just talked about, all these great things, it brings them together and makes them the whole. It makes them work together to form that relationship we have with Christ, to form the image we have to share with others about Christ. But it keeps going. This is, this is kind of the charge to the body of Christ here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, and this is the hard one, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love that last bit of this too, where it talks about, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all of it, everything you do, every action, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's being selfless at its heart and action. In everything you do, it is to be selfless. It's to be about God. It's to be about furthering the kingdom of God. It's to be about building up your neighbors and helping them to experience God, helping them to know God, helping them to understand that there's a Savior who came for them, to help them understand what it means to have redemption. These are the keys. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything we do, everything we have, it is all because of this relationship we have with God. Um, I think about this, and there's one guy in particular who comes to mind every time I think about this last bit of this passage. I can never remember his last name. His name is Rusty. He goes to, uh, um, what's the church? Windsor Park. They do uh, downtown ministry every Saturday where they make sandwiches and these sack lunches, and they go hang out, and they hand them out to the homeless people that hang out around City Hall every single Saturday. They they dedicate to this. They spend about four hours in the morning. They get there around like 8.30 or so, and they're there until around noon or 1, handing out lunches with these people every single week without fail. Even if it's Christmas Day, they're still out there handing out these lunches. <coughs> I think about this. Man, that is such an awesome thing. These guys are amazing for dedicating so much time to this. And when I was, we were out there a few times, and when I was out there once, I heard one of the guys who had gotten a lunch came up to Rusty and said, hey man, thank you so much for coming every week and bringing us food. And I was thinking, I was expecting, oh, you know, you're welcome. But Rusty's response kind of floored me. It's so simple. But his response was, hey man, it's because of the love of God that I'm here. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Like, he, it's so easy to say, you're welcome. Like how hard, it's the easiest response. It's a natural response. But it wasn't Rusty's response. So for a while, I started listening to him. Just when people come up and say, thank you. And every single time, that was his response, or something of that nature. It's not about me, man. Thank God. He's the one that provides all this for us. It's about him. It's all about glorifying God. I was just floored by that in every single thing. It's so easy just to say, you're welcome. But Rusty takes this to heart. I'm so inspired by that, that in everything he does, he could have easily taken credit saying, you know, you're welcome. That's fine. Or, you know, hey, no problem. But in everything he does, he gives all the glory back to God. He's not selfish. He does not boast in it. He's not prideful in it. Everything that he does in that ministry is about giving glory to the Father and to the Savior who came and died for us. And that blows me away. Like I said earlier, this is not something that I'm preaching because I've got it all down. I understand it. This is still a work in progress for me. But I'm so inspired by these words and these things that I've seen that I have to make a change. I have to decide to enact these things in my life, to make a conscious effort to make sure that I am loving God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, all that I am. And I don't forget the second part, which is also important, that my neighbors, the people around me, you guys, the people I work with, the people who live near me, the, the kids I work with upstairs in the youth department, that I love them as much as I love myself, that I'm as concerned about their well-being, their relationship with the Father, as much as I am with my own. So these are the things that I have to bring this all together that love, it's not just about doing, it's not just about having a passion or feeling, it's definitely not just that fuzzy feeling you get when you see someone you think is attractive. It's more. Love is more than a verb, it's more than an action, it is both working together, and without one or the other, we've lost it all. We, haven't, we don't have what it means to be in a relationship with Christ. So I hope you guys have hold on to that. I hope you guys um, have something to kind of think about 
Um, and I talked earlier, uh, Felix was mentioning Verge. At Verge Conference, they have these three questions they ask at the end of every little segment that they do. I want to ask them to you guys this morning also to kind of hold on to. Uh, but the first one is, what is God saying to you? Second question, what are you going to do about it? And the third question, who are you going to tell? I think every time we go through something where we read scripture or we, we go to hear a message, someone preaching, um, or we go to a Bible study, we should ask these questions. What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And who am I going to tell? So I hope you guys hold on to that. Um, and if you have any questions, you want to talk, we'll be here for a little bit afterwards. Um, I'd love to get to meet some of you who I haven't yet. Um, but that's really all I have this morning. But I want to encourage you guys as a church also that, that you, don't, you don't lose faith, that you don't get discouraged, that you stay strong. I'm so encouraged by hearing what's been going on with you guys and so much by seeing you guys involved. You guys are everywhere. Everywhere I go, every event I've been to, I've seen you guys in some form or fashion involved, and that is so awesome. Don't get discouraged about what you're doing in ministry because it's such an amazing thing to see a church start up here, especially with the attitude and the heart of service you guys have. Um, you guys have such, such servanthood built into you. I can just see it. I feel it. You guys are an amazing group of people. I'm so happy to be here to be talking with you guys. But don't lose faith. Don't lose that. Don't get discouraged. Keep it up. If anything, kick it up a notch. Keep going. Uh, we love to see you guys. Um, we love having you here um, for as, as long as you need to be. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, I just want to pray for you guys as we go. Uh, just a, a prayer of encouragement and just blessing on you guys. Father, I thank you so much for this time I've been allowed to have here at Impact City and just the relationship we've been able to form. I pray that you will use us here at Lexington in any way you can to help, to help move their ministry forward. I pray that you will give them hearts of endurance and of perseverance through any tough times they may have as they're growing, uh, that you will give them just hearts to, to be ministers to reach out and to be selfless and to most of all show love to you and to those around them. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.